Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Our Grace Story series introduces you to people who tell how the grace of God made a difference in their lives. And you'll probably understand and maybe grasp how it can make a difference in yours as well. So as you listen today, see if there's anything that our guest says that might resonate with your own story or your own needs. We have a very uh, interesting guest, I think, and she's probably got some very interesting things to say. Yes, it's a it's a woman. She is from the originally from Rhode Island and now lives in Massachusetts, has an uh, interesting um, story to tell about her role in Massachusetts. Um, but we want to welcome today Samantha McLaughlin Medeiros. Welcome, Thank Samantha. you. Thank you, Charlie. It's, I'm very happy to be here. And I know that you're a very busy mom, and so it's not easy to find time for something like this. How many children do you have? We have six children. We have three boys and three girls. In fact, um, this week, for one week only, two of my kids are twins. They're both 20. They're Irish twins. Irish. For one week every year, they're the same age. They're the same age. <laughs> So oh, that's happening. Every year they're the same age. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Wow. They're 11, 11 months and four weeks apart. So they're under a year apart. They call mm-hmm. them Irish twins. Oh, that I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you've got probably other interesting things to tell us. So um, uh, one of the things I know about you is that you grew up in a pastor's home uh, as a pastor's kid. Um, and so you pretty much had a church background, didn't you? Y- yes. Yes. And, um, I found your question, you know, what was it like to grow up as a pastor's kid? A little amusing (laughs) because (laughs) my dad, Pastor Robert McLaughlin, that was my that was my dad. He was not your average pastor and we did not live a boring life by any means. It was it was really fun. um, Explain that. What do you mean he wasn't an average pastor? Well, he spoke the truth and uh, I don't mean to down pastors, but he spoke the truth and he just studied and taught, study and taught his, the last 40 years of his life. He did. Um, so I just say that because he's been attacked a lot uh, throughout his ministry life and um, it just always made him stronger, get back up and get stronger. Well, I, I understand that what you're trying to say is that he really stuck to the scriptures as his source of truth. And I imagine that the ministering there in Massachusetts, is not always the easiest cultural or religious setting to do ministry. And especially if you're going to be faithful to God's word. Yeah, absolutely. That's we, we are more of a worldwide ministry. Um, Our local congregation isn't very much today, um, especially after COVID we kind of diminished to half of what we had. And Mm. now with my dad gone, my dad passed away in June, Father's Day weekend with him gone. um, Things have even, you know, dwindled down more and more. So uh, the, there is a hunger out there in the world, but can't seem to find it in my local area. Yeah. Well, I think the Northeast would probably uh, reflect uh, that kind of lack of interest. Um, That's at least that's my opinion of a lot of what I see in the Northeast. Um, so your your dad passed away in June. Yeah, we, I I saw that and I knew that, and uh, we're we're sorry to hear about that. I I knew you were very close to him. 
Yes. Yep. He actually lived right behind me in the lot right next to me. So um, it's, you know, very close, especially the last 10 to 12 years of his life, because that's when he came to live with us. Uh, my husband and my six children, he came to live with us. And uh, eventually we built his home on the side of us. So it was kind of like he was family, family. You know, he was like the se the seventh kid <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> how, how long did he pastor the church there? And what was the name of the church? What is the name of the church? It's it's called Grace Bible Church. We are also known as gbible.org. Um, and he's been there since with that church. He's been, I want to say, since 1994, 1995, or 1994-ish. He, he pastored that church. Before that church, he had another church. And um, it was a he had a Christian private school there. So I went to that school up until I was about sixth grade. And then I got thrown into the public school system because uh -huh. um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Colonel Colonel theme. Yes. Okay. So uh, we would host their um, conferences and the Colonel came out and he basically told my dad, we had the, a private school. He had a restaurant in the church, um, a bookstore, a daycare, just mm -hmm. a lot of, stuff going on. And the colonel said, you are so good at what you do that you need to stop all this other stuff. This is a distraction for you. Lose the school, lose the restaurant, lose the bookstore and just study and teach, study mm -hmm. and teach. So my dad took that advice and he uh, got serious with the colonel. And I think he was ordained in 1991. My math might be a little bit off. Um, but he's been a very serious uh, pastor, pastor mm -hmm. teacher. He taught when I was when I was a child, he taught 80 times a month. That's 16 times a week. He taught oh, um, he did morning classes, even uh, with the school that we had the kids, the upper level, the high school kids. They would have to go to his morning class at church. It was part mm -hmm. of their education, which was great. Gosh, I wish we had that option today. Yeah. Um, so he was constantly teaching. He'd do a radio show at noontime and then he had his evening class and it was every day. I think it was four times a day, but he mm -hmm. always took Mondays and Saturdays off and he would spend time with his family on Mondays and Saturdays. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So what was it like <clears throat> growing up? Did you find yourself uh, uh, kind of in a fishbowl situation with people kind of exempt? A lot of pastor's kids find themselves feeling like they're being watched all the time. Yeah. I mean, you, I do, I did feel like that at times. And I, there were times when I was younger and I was even like, you know, I didn't want to be recognized. They'd be recognized as the religious girl. And that always really bothered me because I'm not religious. And I, you know, I, I don't practice a religion. I just have my faith. So it's kind of like, they don't understand you until they get to meet you. So I would make a lot of friends and, you know, all my friends know my heart towards God. Some of them mock it and some of them, you know, they're, they're jumped right on board with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I just try to make sure that it's known without trying to appear to be too holy or righteous to them. Okay. Um, so it, it's because it, pastors, children can also get very arrogant, too, and proud. You have to stay humble because if you have a father who's a really great pastor, people start to think that, you know, stuff. Mm 
Mm, and, yeah. you know, so and then <laughs> you, you you they think, you know, stuff that you don't actually know because you're human just like them. Yeah. My children say that they always would look at them at Sunday school class for an answer because they expected them to know everything. Yeah. Because their dad was the pastor. I was the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, yeah. did you ever get burned out in your church experience um, or in your uh, so-called uh, religious life or Christian life? Or did you hang in there pretty well? I'd say I hung in there pretty well. Um, I I believe I was born again and saved at a very early age. So as a pastor's child, too, this happens. Um, you don't really have that aha moment of yeah. salvation. You know, you don't have that like overwhelming change that someone who's been maybe prostituting and living life the wrong way. And all of a sudden they find they learn what grace is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't. So you. There's just a fine line which you which you have to stay in between when you're when you're showing who you are as a pastor's child. Yeah. Well, now you mentioned uh, learning what grace is all about. So did, was there was that uh, something that you understood at a young age? Do you think, and or how is your understanding of that? That was actually my aha moment of when grace, when I finally understood grace. And it was not until I was in my 30s. I want to mm -hmm. say my mid 30s. I mm -hmm. finally I, actually, you know, I say that I don't I can't fully understand grace because I don't believe any of us can fully understand it because exactly. it's like the the more we learn about God, the more we learn, we don't know. So they, yeah. the more we learn about God, the the more we learn the, that we don't know enough, exactly. that we don't mm -hmm. know a lot because um, his grace is never ending. And, you know, that's just been throughout my life over and over. Well, what what happened? How, how did that happen? You had the aha moment. Well, I was doing a study. Um, I was doing a study and the study was on the woman at the well. And that that's study really spoke to me because I could see that, let's put it this way, God, Jesus, he reached out to the bottom of the barrel with the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman and the Jews, they were prejudiced towards her because she was a Samaritan. Um, and even the Samaritans, her own people didn't like her. So for me, it's like saying this woman is like, nobody likes her. And God is going to stop there and he's going to give his he's going to give that person grace the, the the same opportunity that you have if you're grown up as a pastor's child. So I think it was something that was so opposite for me. Um, and I've seen a lot of people's lives be changed. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I'm not blind to it, but it was just it changed my life when I when I understood it. What do you think you you said it was opposite? What do you think your mindset was before you really had that moment of understanding? I just didn't understand that you don't have to do anything for hmm. it. You know, I just I just didn't understand that. Like I knew it to be true. I believed it, but I didn't actually I understand it. Um for instance, when I was a child, this is why I think I was saved at an early age. Um, I used to lay in bed at like age eight, nine years old. Excuse me. Let me get a sip here. Sure. I drink hot water all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about eight or nine years old and I would lay in bed at night 
And I, I would I wouldn't fall asleep. I just keep thinking about forever and ever and ever and ever like forever and ever and ever and ever. Aren't we ever going to get tired, God? <laughs> like I would think that while I'm sleeping, you know, life forever and ever and ever and ever. And then as I grew up, I read the Bible and I saw in Ecclesiastes 3.11 um, that God puts eternity in the heart of, of man. Mm. So that like kind of gave me so much peace. And that was something that I experienced. That same thing happened with when I with grace, but at an older age. Yeah. Well, grace brings peace. That's for sure. It, it ceases. Uh, it, it causes us to cease worrying about our efforts and our performance and just rely, rely on God and his performance. I love that story at the woman of the well, too, because God didn't ask her. Jesus didn't ask her to do anything like to do. He didn't even ask her to leave those her current man that she was living with. He just yeah. said, take the water of life freely. And, and drink she was it. responsible for one of the biggest revivals in the entire New Testament. Great point. The whole all of Samaria. Probably. Yeah. Hyperbole. Scripture God can use someone like that, you know, and then I always loved the thief on the cross story. That was one of my dad's favorites was Mm -hmm. the thief on the cross. But, you know, it's, it's stories that like that, that change the way that you think, but you, you have to open up your Bibles and you have to read those stories and you have to have somebody teach them to you because we know that, you know, there's no language that's like the Greek language. So you need to have someone who knows the, the exegesis, the isagogics, all of that stuff, teach it to you. Um, well, you have to learn that stuff yourself to learn it, but, you know, just open your Bibles and start there and you'll experience some of those things. Yeah. So um, you, in your understanding of grace now, know that you're not, your acceptance with God is not conditioned on your performance or how you, how you, uh, hard you work. Um or and he doesn't disqualify you because of mistakes you make or kick you out of the family because of anything that you might do wrong. Yeah. Now all I have to worry about is I'm going to. I want to get my crowns. There you go. <laughs> I want to get my rewards. You know, and again, th- that can be only accomplished through through him and studying his word and learning, learning. You know how to take in the word of God. Yeah, the judgment seat of Christ. You're talking about rewards there. Now, yes. Now, now you mentioned the word crowns, so we I got to explore this idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know where I'm going, and this will be very interesting to everybody. But you entered the Mrs. Massachusetts pageant. What year? Yes, 2020, the year of COVID. <laughs> COVID year, and you got to wear the wear the crown. Yes, my name was called and I was completely shocked. I did not expect it because I had just had a baby. Um, She wasn't even a year old. Mm. And um, it was just very unexpected. But at the same time, I did compete 10 times, 10 years in a row for that crown. So, yeah. (laughs) So it's not something you can just go jump into um, like almost everything in life, there's politics that go along with mm-hmm. it. And you have to, uh, you ha- it's a sport. I treat it like a sport. Um, and every time that I would lose, I would just go back home and I would clean out my cabinets, you know, of all the junk food. And like, I would just try to, to 
be better the next year. And, you know, in God's perfect timing, it, the year 2020, I was actually able to do a, a lot with my title. Um, I started this, well, we started this group, two other women and I called the woman prayer warriors. I'm sure mm -hmm. that you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, a, a, one of my friends from Texas, who's a listener of my dad, uh, she was like, Sammy, things are getting really ramped up. And this was two weeks before they COVID, they did the lockdown. She's like, we need to start a prayer chain or something. So her and another lady, we started the messenger group and it just grew and grew and grew. And that was my platform. Great. So COVID always seemed to have a silver lining for a lot of people. I started this podcast during COVID season. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So get outside the walls of my house. And, yeah. And yeah. The world. So it's it's going all around the world right now. But, and, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is that this Mrs. Massachusetts title did not come easily for you. No. You had, you had to work hard for it. But that's yes. that. I don't know if you thought about that, but that's the opposite of grace. Yeah, it is the opposite Isn't it? of grace. So, so this so, is what I said, Charlie. And I would tell this to the other girls. I would tell them, listen. God has already decided who's going to win this pageant today. Hmm. So let's just have a good time. Great. And, you know, that's that's what it's about for me. What a great attitude. How, how did they receive that kind of message? I mean, I, I was going to ask you about the spiritual life of uh, pageant uh, participants. They, I think they just get I think they just get a little shocked by some of the things that I say. They don't expect, you know, for me to have a glass of wine or um say something that's you know not really too polite <laughs> just just not mean of course but you know they they and and you're mad and if you're married it's a totally different kind of division too so you're not competing like with women who haven't had children most of the women who who compete have had children mm -hmm. but you're not competing like with like someone 10 years younger than you mm -hmm. so it it keeps it keeps it kept me going for a while. Mm -hmm. It so kept me did, going for a while. Did you did you find any? Uh, I guess we the big term these days is cognitive dissonance, I mean, or any conflict in your mind about having to perform perfectly on the outside to be accepted in the pageant and win the pageant, and yet God has accepted you as you are. It's, it's almost like two different worlds colliding. Yeah, it's like um, sharpening my pencil, though. It's it's like I'm I, I'm doing it for the reasons that I'm doing it. Other people are doing it for the reasons that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And like the reason I believe it took me so long to win is because I don't think people wanted a church to be a platform. You know, I think like during that time, I think it was like not popular to be a Christian. Yeah. How, did you use your church as a platform? I don't I've yes. never watched the Mrs. I've always used pageant. my church. I've always used my church for a, a platform, except uh, for the year that I won. I used the Woman Prayer Warriors um, as my platform. We actually built a church in Nigeria. We mm -hmm. we were able to raise nine thousand dollars, and um, we built it. We sent it to to for a church to be built in Nigeria um, from a, a pastor who comes from Doctor Hill. You know Dan Hill? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's my O dad. He's my online dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I read all his posts and his letters and so forth. Yeah, I, yeah. I, follow him and I know him personally. We've met yeah. a number of times. So you want to hear something funny? Absolutely. I when I first saw Dan online, I was kind of like, who is this guy? Like he thinks he knows everything and he's got all the answers, you know, like 
I'm like, how does he know all this stuff? And then, you know, I get to know him. I get to know him. And I find out that he actually is one of the 10 or 15 guys who signed my dad's ordination paper from the colonel. (laughs) So (laughs) that was it. He he became my 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 online dad because my dad never went on social media he, he had a Facebook page, but he never used it. He only had it so that he could play poker. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's my dad. Um, he, he loved playing that poker. Uh, so <laughs> when he was in the hospital, you just play poker all the time. Okay. Uh, Everybody needs an outlet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I forgot what I was saying, though. Oh, you're talking about Dan. Dan oh, yeah. So um so he's my online dad, you know, because I need to be I need somebody to keep me in check. <laughs> I'm a pastor's kid. I can get arrogant. <laughs> oh, I can't hardly believe that. So uh, one more time, circle back to the uh, um, Mrs. Pageant. I don't know yes. Mrs. Massachusetts pageant, but you didn't go on to the national pageant, did you? So um, that year, I actually was unable to compete in the national pageant because my dad had gotten really sick. He came down with a um, kid, kidney disease, basically, which he, he had. It just got very aggressive. So um, that year, I kind of had to put, put, the, put it off and just let it go. I, I couldn't leave him. Yeah, well, I couldn't leave the I couldn't leave the ministry either, because if I had gone away for seven to 10 days, you know, who would do his PowerPoint slides? It's like there's little things behind the ministry that people don't know the work that goes into it. But we had a program where uh, he'd put slashes where he wanted his slides. So I'd have to go through all the all of his notes. And it took a lot of work to get a message together. Well, I I commend you for putting uh, faith and family before something that you worked for for so many hard yeah. years. So it was a very tough. My husband was like, go, go, go. We don't need to go. Just you go. And I just, I, I said, I, I can't, I don't, it's not worth it. Yeah. But you, now that you have the title, Mrs. Massachusetts 2020. Yeah. Use that platform to, uh, to honor God in some way and, and, and enhance a, a ministry, expand the ministry for him. And that's what I used it for. And that's what I continue to use it for to this day. Um, and that's the only thing I'll ever use it for, because that's not the kind, kind of crown I want. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want the ones for the judgment seat day. But it is a nice crown. Did it let you keep it or you have to give it back? No, you get to keep it. Really? Yeah, that's you get great. to keep it. You should. You will have to get a picture of you in the crown. I will send you a picture with me in the crown. <laughs> Did the, 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 you know, the typical pageant you get crowned and you're surprised and you and you you're so surprised you cry how was that moment for oh you? yeah it was like i we were crying that because you're you know you're competing with other women who have been competing too so you know you really do make friendships uh, in the married division you make friendships and the, with these lifelong friendships mm-hmm. and and I made many of them. So when they would win something, I'd always be so happy for them. And they're happy for you because we're adults, you know, we're not right. kids competing against each other. That's a great, great way of thinking about it. That's good. Mature way of thinking about it. So, yeah. Yeah. So and and your understanding of grace then influenced your your whole pageantry career. And uh, and how has it that made a difference in your family life? Um, with the pageantry of the, the, well, no, the grace, the idea oh. of grace. Well, hmm. 
I can't say much changed in the family life, except maybe I uh, would just talk to them a little bit more. I have this note behind the pulpit. I speak at my dad's church and I have this note behind the pulpit and it says, talk to your children because that was my problem was public speaking. I didn't like public speaking Mm. and I would get very uncomfortable when I'd be speaking publicly. So I had this note behind the pulpit and I would read it and I'd get up and I would just talk to my children, you know, and that as if they were the only ones in the room, as if they're going to listen to me when I'm no longer on this earth and they're going to listen to what their mom has to say. Okay. You know, they may not listen right now. I got teenagers. They're not interested in listening. They, they, they're forced to at times, but they no. sometimes they do like, so they love to come to church, but I don't think they like listening to mom. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I had four teenagers at once. One time we had four kids. They all became teenagers at once. Well, well not at once, but we yeah. had them all at once for a year or so. Like uh, just like um, us. So uh, besides Grace Bible Church, and what city is that in, in case somebody wants to look that up in that area? Okay, so we are right now in Somerset, Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. but um, we are downsizing. So that is probably that's going to change. We don't actually have a a new place yet, but we will be at Grace Bible Church in Somerset, Mass until the end of until December uh, 2023, the the end of the month. Massachusetts. Yes, I was just up that way and drove through Massachusetts, and I was hoping to see the 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 colorful leaves. Uh, it was past mid October. I was a little bit disappointed this year that the leaves didn't seem so colorful as the brochures show them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where true? you went, but um, went it's up pretty... all the way up to Maine. You should have seen some color up in Maine. Uh. I did see some color, right? but it just wasn't the bright. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, I think that's more in November. You'll get that. Oh, more November. Maybe I was yeah. too early then. I heard I there was a lot of rain and it, that caused it. But anyway, so um, well, tell us about your uh, women's prayer ministry, the name of it. And uh, is there a website and how is, if someone wants to get involved in that? Okay. So right now we do have on our website, um, we have like a tab for the woman prayer warriors. So if you go to gbible.org, you can see a tab and then you can, they can just write in if they want to join or um, if they, there is a, a prayer form that they can fill out too. And some prayers, we, we let them mark if they're private or if they want them to be shared. And when they want them to be shared, we send it outside of our ministry for prayers but we also have a prayer group locally. So um, I think we kind of outdid them with the women prayer warriors because our local prayer group kind of diminished. So now we're more heavily relying on the women prayer warriors and their role has been throughout uh, put just putting Bible doctrine out to these women in these groups. There's women who come into our groups who just had abortions or excuse me, um, who just got out of a, a you know, an abusive relationship Um, in those situations like that, you know, they'll feel guilt, a lot of guilt, a lot of times um, or recovering addicts. We get a lot of recovering addicts and, you know, we just try to give them the grace message and Bible doctrine. And a few of them have really turned around. So that's, that's the ministry of the woman prayer warriors. Yeah. Can you tell me, uh, do you have like a meeting regularly online? How does that work? No, we have um, a messenger group on Facebook and there's like, there's probably like 60 or 70 of us in that messenger group. Um, we're, we're over a thousand on our Facebook page, but we're about 60 or 70, but I'd say only like 
20 people really participate a lot in it. So we'll communicate mostly through there. Um, we don't have an, uh, an actual website for it. And it's, it's more of a study group now than it is a prayer group. We do pray one lady. She, her name's Christine Hurst. She takes care of the prayer list every week. And then she emails it out to people that are in our ministry. And then she sends it to all the women prayer warriors as well. So she keeps it updated and does a great job. And these women are from all over the place. Yes. They're from all over the world. Uh, we have women in there from um, Australia. We have two from Australia, one from Great Britain, a few from Africa. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And if people want to access some of your father's teaching, it, it's Robert McLaughlin, right? And they go to Grace Bible Church. Gbible.org. Gbible and we also have an app um, that we created this past year. So right on the homepage, you can get a link to that app. And we also have something that is, well, we refer to it as an app site. And uh, it allows all the, so my dad has a lot of doctrines. I'd say thousands and thousands of hours. He taught back in the 80s and we had those tapes. They're all uploaded on the app. So there's thousands and thousands of MP3s and they take up a lot of storage space. So the app site allows us to keep them up there. Um, no extra cost. It makes it a no brainer and it puts all of his videos. Well, that's great. So those, those can all be accessed by people by going to gbible.org. Yes. Time. Um, well, appreciate that. And what would you, uh, what would you say to somebody who's maybe struggling with the idea that they just have to do more, they have to work harder, um, they're not going to be Mrs. Massachusetts. There's imperfections in their life, uh, in, in their looks. Uh, how does great God's grace make a difference for them? What would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would tell them, don't ever give up. And then I would tell them about the story of the woman at the well. You know, I would use her as an example of, of it does how it doesn't matter or the thief on the cross, you know, how it you're, you don't, there's nothing that you have to do to make, yourself better in the eyes of God. Hey, that's great. Yeah. So he accepts everybody because of what Jesus did on the cross. Yes. He accepts, he accepts Jesus's righteousness. So we don't have to be perfectly righteous. We never will be. We'll always fall short of his glory. And uh, yet he died for us in that condition and accepts us uh, as we are. And then he yes. begins. To, and then once we come to know the gift of eternal life and he dwells in us, our lives begin to change and uh, we live up to what he has declared us to be, his children. Amen. His children, so. Faith alone in Christ alone, once saved, always saved. Um, my dad has done an incredible uh, job on the angelic conflict doctrine. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, and then he's got the 10 problem-solving devices. He's got a great series there. Um Eight Experiments of Man. That's about Ecclesiastes, mm. uh, King Solomon. I love that book. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't read any of my dad's books until I was in my 30s, too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Give me hope for my kids. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it was in their like, 30s now. <laughs> it's, it's like you're surrounded by it your whole life. You don't even appreciate it because you don't realize what it's like on the other side. Um, and, and that's kind of how I felt for a long time until I was about 17, 18, I started taking the word serious 
And then I, I ended up getting married and having children. And then 2012, that's when I came back and started working at the church again with my dad. But I always kind of worked there. Mm-hmm. Well, was, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I always kind of like whether I was a teenager, I'd clean his office or I'd watch the kids in the nursery. So I was always doing ministry work. That's great. That's great. And you mentioned that you, you know, you were very nervous about speaking in public, but of course, you know, you're not re- reflecting any of that now. And it's hard to imagine that as, <laughs> in, a, in a pageant being nervous about speaking in front of people. But I'm just curious, do, do you ever, do you ever get invitations to share your testimony with groups? Yes, actually. Um, I just, I did a podcast about a year ago uh, with a group called um People talking to people, I think it was called. And um, I got to share the whole angelic conflict doctrine with them in a podcast. Okay. Well, not the whole thing, but just like a teaser of it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure people would be interested in hearing more about your story too and um, what grace means to you. And um, and then, of course, uh, what an opportunity that is to bring the message of God's grace and salvation to them. Amen. So maybe God will open some more doors for you. I'd love that. Always, always looking for doors. I make YouTube shorts all day long sometimes and just try to catch fish. I call them (laughs) trying to catch fish. Make YouTube shorts on what kind of things? So I take my dad's video messages because we have he's had a video ministry since 1998. So I take his video messages and it has to be under one minute. And then um, I just upload them to our YouTube channel. In the last week, I got 200 subscribers. Wow. In one week. That's yeah, great. that's that's never happened before. Um, but I've been just putting up more and more and more. People like the short stuff. And what's the YouTube channel called or is um, name? I, it's right on our homepage, gbible.org. Oh. But I think it's McLaughlin Ministries. I think it's under McLaughlin Ministries. OK, they can get to it from the homepage. That's great. Yes. Yes. And uh, I can give you links to all of that as well and we do um we do ship we are grace ministry so we do not charge for any of our materials not shipping either um and we do that uh you can get like books at gbible.org forward slash books if anyone's interested in that um we don't right now ship outside of the usa we actually uh cannot afford to so yeah it's very expensive i don't do much of that anymore either yeah unfortunately costs more than the material itself it does, but uh, but we're hoping that's going to change for 2024. So please keep that in prayer. Yeah. Well, Samantha, it's been uh, a delightful talking to you and finding out how grace has uh, worked in your life. Um, and to know that uh, uh, you're not just concerned with your outward looks, but God is really shaping you on the inside by his grace. Amen. And that'll be a lot. That'll be very encouraging for people to hear. Yes. So, uh, just want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that conversation. Um, now, if you've heard something today that uh, makes you want to experience God's grace even more, you can go to um, gbible.org and look at some of the resources that Samantha and her father have uh, posted there. And of course, you can always go to gracelife.org and see our resources, get our app, GL Ministries app, and you a lot of things will be at your fingertip, including all our podcasts, which you need to subscribe to the podcast Simply by Grace. And this series is called Grace Stories, but we have other teaching series as well. And when you go, um, uh, um, subscribe and leave a comment and give us a good rating so that more and more people will listen to this kind of thing and hear Samantha's story as well. 
So we're glad that you joined us today, and may God's grace be yours until all here. Thank you for listening. For more resources, or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.